Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with your hosts, Jake and Randy, discussing all things freestyle frisbee and whatever else that comes up. Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. Hey, Randy, how's it going? Hey, Jake, I am doing great, and I am just amazed that this is our 100th episode. Can you believe it? You know what? I can't believe it. It totally snuck up on me out of nowhere. We were just rolling along, putting out episodes, and then I look at the number. 100? What? How did that happen? I, I know. That's just crazy. I mean, we're, we've been doing this for almost three years. I never would have imagined that this would be where we're at. Kind of an amazing journey doing this and just kind of being committed to it and continuing to, to put out the episodes. And, you know, just feel like there's been so much that I've learned and so much of my opinions have kind of changed and softened and kind of been a really interesting uh, evolution for me personally doing this journey with you. Yeah, definitely. It's been an interesting evolution for me as well. I remember in the very beginning, it felt like my mind was racing with all of the different possibilities for for our sport and for the judging system and uh, all the people and how we could grow it. And then sort of that just settled down. We got into this rhythm and it feels like, you know, we're just trucking along and then every so often something amazing happens and then we just keep trucking along and then something amazing happens. So it's, it's been a really great journey. It's been really fun. Yeah, I think I, I think I echo that too and that it really has been sort of, we were this ball of of energy and we're just kind of touching all these subjects. And then, like I said, I feel like it's almost softened kind of my whole view of the freestyle world and that there are many different ways to look at things and there's many different ways to approach things. And really, I feel like I've become less strident in my opinions and more open to the possibilities. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So one thing that's kind of changed for me, uh, hasn't really changed. One thing that this has really driven home for me is the positivity in this community. We all have different opinions. We all want to see the sport do slightly different things. But at the end of the day, we're all friends. We're all the jamily. And that's to me, that's a big part of why things have softened for me is that uh, I just feel much more of a connection with everybody. And I feel like whether I have an opinion or someone else has a differing opinion, we're still really able to talk about it and work together towards a common goal. Been kind of trippy to sort of see it all transpire. <laughs> it is uh, trippy. So, do you have any favorite episodes or favorite moments from this past 100 episodes that we've done so far? I love them all. They're kind of like little children, you know, like when we complete one, we edit it and we put it out there. You know, they're all kind of my favorite when we put them out there. But gosh, a couple of things that stick out. I mean, Chipper Bro Bell, I, I, there's just something about him and the way he presents the world that just makes me feel good. And there was the one moment of him talking about uh, pollinating date palms. It just cracked me up, but that was just sort of typical of all of our conversation with him. There was just sort of this joy to his whole interview. So I really enjoyed that. And, you know, I, I really love talking to Donnie Rhodes because he's been such an uh, uh, inspiration to me and Bill Wright and learning the Coloradicals journey and Joey, of course, that whole conversation. I mean, yeah, there's so many others, but what about you? What are some of your favorite episodes? Yeah, well, one that still stands out to me is the first episode of Dougie Fresh's Top 10. It was just a uh, really fun. I'm talking to Doug and to 
to compare notes about who our favorite players are and why and the way that he presented it. It was just, we were laughing the whole time. I'm also going to echo the interview with Joey was really fun. Uh, he went into a lot of detail about his stories, about his history, and like his perspective of uh, how he was shaping his game to be unique in the freestyle realm. And uh, that was really fun to get insight into that. I actually had a really good time talking to Khan as well. I really had no idea of all of the stuff that was going on in the European scene in the early days. And so he brought a whole different perspective, something that I wasn't even aware of. So Yeah, I would say Con Cummings really had a light bulb moment for me, too, and just how I view difficulty. So, yeah, that was really interesting. And again, there it is, listening to a new person's perspective, changing how I view the sport and how it gets perceived. Yeah, I remember him talking about how meditation made his game better made him more focused in the jam and it almost seemed like it almost seemed opposite to me where i felt like the jam was my meditation and he flipped it around and said well the meditation can make your jam better and i guess i can see that but i had never really thought of that before it was very interesting you know if you change the way you look at things the things you look at change <laughs> getting deep here <laughs> so, there is so much going on in the freestyle world right now. And that's another thing that I love about doing this podcast. I feel like it keeps us in touch with all of those things as well. All-Star Thursday has just completed and it was an incredible turnout. We got beach stylers coming up and we've got Seattle FPA Worlds, of course, coming up in October. And I know we're doing a Milan tournament stream this weekend as well. Yeah, there's just so much going on and, and uh, just excited about all of it. Excited about everything that's going on. FPA Worlds is coming up in a few weeks. We'll be live streaming that. Another thing that's happening there is the Hall of Fame inductions. So many of the Hall of Fame inductees are going to be at FPA Worlds accepting their awards on stage, and we should be able to live stream that. So uh, it's going to be great. You don't want to miss it. Actually, this is a great dovetail into our episode today because uh, we're going to continue our conversation with one of the newer Hall of Fame inductees, Rick Castilla, and he actually kind of talks a little bit about the Hall of Fame and being inducted. But we're going to continue the conversation with him right here, talking about Team Bud Light and how it was to face them. Enjoy. And one thing I forgot to talk about was the the routines that um, Joey and Chip and Crazy would would put on. I mean, you could tell they traveled a lot together, and all they had, you know, they had a lot of opportunities to put routines together. And that was one team that you know that always would scare me. You know, I always wanted them to play well, not that well. <laughs> I always wanted them to do good, but I just wanted to always play a little bit better. But that was a team that that definitely would would make noise in the in the tournament that you know that was a team that you had to beat for sure that was one of the top teams all yeah. the time talking with chip he would say you know because they were doing all these shows they had such a polished routine oh, yeah. and they had such the the ability to be on stage in front of people and it wasn't it wasn't nerve-wracking at all so he said it almost wasn't fair to go to these tournaments where folks were kind of just hooking up on the spot right and i remember the first time i saw chip or bell Chipper bro, we we went to Santa Barbara. We were hanging, you know, we hung out with Kirkland quite a bit. John Kirkland kind of took us under his wing. I remember staying with him in Hawaii, staying with him in California, you know, and so or in Santa Barbara. So he goes, Hey man, I got this guy. You gotta come see this guy. He was like, You're not gonna believe this guy. He's got the perfect frisbee body. 
So we, we go out there and it was like, God, was that a mission? Some mission in Santa Barbara, you know, these church missions. It was on the green. And he goes, watch this. So he throws it to Chip and Chip does this monster thing, you know, and he's all, you know, boom, consecutive, boom, boom, boom. And he would do, and we're like, oh, my God, here's the future of freestyle right here. Chip Bell. And uh, so then we got to know him really well. And we hung out in Santa Barbara. And that's how I first met Monkey Man, you know, Danny Sullivan and Jay Hinkle and God, all those guys, you know, that was that was that was really a, a fun place that that turned into a Mecca. It started with Venice Beach, I think, you know, where everybody used to hang and then Santa Barbara and then San Diego. But Santa Barbara was a fun place to visit and, and uh, a really great time. Yeah. So when we first went, that was the thing to do and from Colorado. We we went out to Venice Beach and I remember, God, it was great because we, we hadn't been to California ever. And I just lived in Colorado all my life. And so we drive it through, we hit Vegas and we stop at this gas station in Vegas. And it was during the wintertime. And we look and on the side of the, of the building was this little patch of green grass. We're like, oh, my God, look at this grass, green grass. And so we sat there and jammed on this little area you know, green grass, and then drove on to California, and we pulled into California, and all oh, these palm trees, and just green grass everywhere, and I remember we st- I stayed with uh, Laura Engel, you know, when we first moved out, or first got out there, and uh, and she was right there at Venice Beach, too, and um, I think, God, Joey and Richie might have been out there at this point, Richie Bartle was a big part of that, and, and we would jam at, at Venice Beach till sunset and then go sleep in the van or something and come back the next day that was you know we had the life of the vagabond you know it was, it was just unbelievable venice was a great place a great starting place and then like i said then santa barbara then san diego so and and all during that time you, you know you had san francisco and sonoma all those guys up there you know larry coming right. from chico so it was uh california seemed to be the place and that's where i really i learned my flow and that's well, that's what frisbee freestyle is all about is the flow you got to have the flow there's got to be flow got to have the flow <laughs> got to have the flow got to have the flow jake you got to have the flow you got to have the flow <laughs> got to have the flow <laughs> so <laughs> so let me ask you this question so um when we talked to alan elliot he was mentioning <laughs> some psychological warfare tactics that uh, people used to do to each other one of the things that he mentioned that his team did was they started their routine to the same music that the coloradicals played to and then switched yeah. it really quick just to kind of freak you guys out so i'm wondering if you participated in that at all and if you have any stories related to that um I love Alan Elliott. He was kind of my, he was, I would like to say he was one of my little protégés. I mean, when he was first starting out, he actually convinced me to go down to Texas, to Houston, and play with him in a tournament. Um, he was like, hey, I got front row seats to Bruce Springsteen. You got to come down. And sure enough, man, I get down there, He t- and he, he took me to Bruce Springsteen, and we had front row seats. I mean, you couldn't get any closer to the boss. It, it was great. And I was a big Bruce Springsteen fan. And, and you know, we sat there and he, he invited me into his house and his parent and his mom was just great, you know, and they took care of me. And and uh, and we I think we won the tournament and we got in the paper and everything. And that was really my first experience with Alan. He, just a great guy. And but we always needled each other. I think I remember stuff like that. But, you know, he always wanted to beat the Coloradicals and I always wanted to beat him and Donnie. And and uh, so we argued quite a bit. But, you know. We were still good friends, and he's he's just a great guy, and uh, my hat's off to him. You know, he's he's done well in the sport, so I hope I hope he gets here. But he started a little bit later than than we all did. But uh, we definitely tried to. Uh, we always wanted to beat each other for sure. We had friendly competition. 
So did you ever refer to Donnie Rhodes as Donnie Rotten as part of that psychological warfare? <laughs> oh, of course, Donnie Rotten, for sure. He was always Donnie Rotten. Donnie, um, what can you say about Donnie? I mean, he, first time I ever met him, I don't know, I wrote this in my um, about him on on um, when he got inducted, but first time I met Donnie was at this tournament, Windsong, where I first met, played with Doug. Donnie Rhodes rolls up, long hair, shorts, shoeless, and he delayed with his thumbs. And, there, and Joey was like, what? Delayed with his thumbs? And I was like, yeah, I mean, I remember watching him. He played with Dave Schiller. The disc would come to him and he would delay with his thumbnail, with his, just his thumb sticking out. And you could see, God, he was, he had some moves, you know, he could throw it, you know, he could do a bunch of stuff, but he, it, it always ended up delaying with his thumbs. And I thought, well, God, that's kind of interesting. And, you know, and then he ends up moving out to California and then hooking up with Joey. And then, you know, and just all of a sudden he just exploded you know to become one of the best players in the world you know his i still think he's his technique and his um what's the word i'm looking for his style was incredible you know i always wanted to be do moves like donnie his flexibility was was amazing you know he could kick his leg up and do the splits and stuff i never had that kind of flexibility so my game always had to be speed and, and different throws and different catches and both hands and kind of thing where he was predominantly cl clock. But I mean, his style was just uh, above everybody else's. You talk about flow. I mean, so Donnie had he had the technical and he had the flow. He was just really beautiful oh, yeah. to watch. He had the full Absolutely. on game of just, wow, I can't take my eyes off of what he's doing. A lot of people compared, you know, like, was Donnie better than Joey or Joey better than Donnie? Did you guys ever have those conversations? Yeah, I had I had a big argument with with Alan Elliott, as a matter of fact, about about this, you know, and, and Donnie was Joey's protege, really. I think Donnie was better in certain aspects of the game. Predominantly, he was clock where Joey could do clock and counter. You know, he learned both of them equally, I think. You know, you always say the student becomes better than the than the teacher. And and that could have been true. It, I don't know. It just wasn't really apples to apples. You know, Donnie was an orange and Joey was an apple. But they were, God, they were just, at one time, Joey or Donnie was the best player. No doubt. You know, and, and I thought, God, I, I could never be like this. And, you know, and you think that and you go, oh, God, why should I even compete anymore? I can't be as good as that anymore. You know, so I would have to do more technical stuff you know, turnovers and stuff like that. Cause I couldn't do, you know, the high leg kicks and the, and the spins like he used to do, you know, that kind of stuff. But, uh, he was a joy to watch. And I don't know if you asked me that today, I, God, I don't know. I, I, I would still think Joey was, has a slight edge, but Donnie has the showmanship edge just a little bit, you know, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to say who was better, Joey or Donnie, you know, well, Jake and I, we have this conversation about freestyle that we it really is an art. And so and so when you're trying to say, like, who's best, it's kind of like looking at two beautiful pieces of art and trying to say, oh, I like that one better than the other. It's just, you know, they just both have qualities that are incredible. And to try and pick one over the other is almost impossible. Yeah, it's subjective. I mean, it's subjective. Who do you like? Do you like the consecutive spinning of, you know, of Joy or do you like the flowing of, of Donnie, you know, the smoothness and you know, and the catches and the flexibility that he had, you know, that kind of thing. So, Jake, I want to ask you that question since, you know, kind of was before the time you came onto the scene. So you've seen video of Joey and, and Donnie. So do you have a favorite of the two or one that you think is better? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, put, put Jake on the spot. Put there me on go. the spot, yeah. Uh, 
I don't. I don't. I can't pick between them. I agree with Rick. It's uh, like <laughs> an apple and an orange. They're both really amazing. Yeah. But I can't really yeah. say one of them is better than the other one. You know, what, at, the, at one point in time, I, I thought I was the best player in the world, but that lasted about a year. <laughs> <laughs> Which year was that? I thought I was the best, like probably like 80, 83, maybe 84. You know, because I, I was doing both hands, both spins, both all the throws, you know, all the catches where everybody else was doing one throw, one, you know. Mm-hmm. I think Joey had said that on his thing, too. And I was like, oh, yeah, I can't remember that. And so I got to give Joey props for giving me that prop. So, um, yeah, at one point in time, I thought I was. But I was practicing a lot, you know. And when you're not working and you're just doing Frisbee shows, you, you know, you got to get good at it. But that ended quick. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool that you were able to even think that right if you practice that much and you're you feel like you're that good you have that much confidence it's a great it's great experience yeah i don't don't know if anybody else thought that but (laughs) besides joey but i thought that i'm sure that other people thought that yeah you know i and i hope i've influenced a lot of people on my days you know like i said it was hard you had to kind of get into the click we had a click for some reason, you know, the freestyle frisbee click. And if you weren't in it, then you know you didn't you didn't get to talk to everybody or know everybody. But that, that changed after a while. Do you feel like you contributed to that click? That you were part of that click that kind of didn't let people in? Yeah, I mean, in the beginning, I, I felt kind of like that, but I did, you know. And I'm not too proud of it, but uh, I'll, I'll, I mean, here's an example. I remember in Santa Barbara, you guys remember a guy named Dave Zeff. You know Dave Zeff. So yeah. no no one would talk to him. No one would play with him. He felt really bad. And I remember going up to him one time and go, hey, come on, man. Let's go jam. I'll jam with you. Because no one was jamming. And, and he's he's always never let me forget that, you know, how I came up to him and said, hey, you know, here my name's Rick. And uh, I'd like to, you know, if you'd like to jam, I'll, let's go jam and stuff. So he always throws that out at me and, and thanks me for that. So I, I'd like to think I got over that. You know, but in the beginning, and like I said, I got that from the early days. But, you know, after you got to know everybody, you start traveling with them, then, you know, it all changed. It all changed. And, and you know, we grew up, we, we grew to be a, you know, a big family, you know, from outer space. So we all came to Earth and now we're finding each other from from our disc play. <laughs> you know? And as Stork says, when the aliens do come back, they will take us first. So just exactly. You know I remember listening to that, Stork, and I was like, yeah, right on, Stork. That was exactly right. You know, Stork was a big part in in, in the Coloradicals thing because he he got us shows and and uh, I'm not sure if he got us hooked up with the Italian show that we went on Ariayuna when we flew over to Italy and we spent two weeks there and did all these shows and and especially when we run the Rose Bowl, Stork got brought us to Whammo and he goes here I got something for you guys and he he gave Bill um, a frisbee a one of a kind disc he gave me a one-of-a-kind disc and he gave doug a one-of-a-kind disc um they were all the same 119 mold i think but they were just different color stamps on them you know and i know kirkland doesn't have them but i think he wants them and i think bill has doug's and i still have mine so i think eventually kirkland will get them all but you know once once i'm gone i'll give mine to bill <laughs> i keep like three discs i got a pluto platter i've got a that disc and i've got uh, a frisbee pie tin and actually, the guy that gave me the Pluto platter is from Seattle, and he's a minister. Mike Conaway? Mike Conaway. Thank you. Yes. He came up to me one day and said, man, I got a Frisbee for you. And I was like, okay, cool. And he whips out this Pluto platter, and he goes, I want to give you this. And I was like, really? I don't have one of these. And he goes, well, good. You have one now. And what a great guy. 
I mean, you still see him, don't you? I haven't seen Mike in years. Uh, he, like maybe even 10 years. I, I'm not even sure where he is. I'm not even sure if he's in Seattle anymore. That was the thing. There was so many good jammers out there, so many good players, but a lot of them didn't travel. You know, a lot of them didn't go to the, all the tournaments and stuff, but there were some just amazing players, you know, like the Ted Oberhouses and stuff. I mean, he didn't travel that much, but when he did, he would win. You know, he's just an amazing player. You know, I wish Cray would have traveled a little more. Cray, Cray was an innovator. You know, you see a lot of people do the scarecrow today. They call it the scarecrow, but they're not really doing a scarecrow like it was meant to be. I don't know. Do you guys, do you ever see how the real scarecrow looks? It's, you know, both arms are out and you're spinning with mm -hmm. both arms straight out. You know, nowadays it's just, you know, you're kind of behind the back head catch kind of scarecrow, you know, kind of thing. It's not even done the way Cray in, intended it to do. I, I know what people are trying to do, but that's how, you know, that's the scarecrow was, was that was one of Cray's. And like I said, Cray was a big innovator and, and uh, loved watching him, loved watching him play. So what advice would you give to a new player? Uh, what's the key to being great? Commitment. Commitment. You know, and play, play, play an instrument. Get into music. I'd, I'd like to see a new player watch old tapes. Watch, uh, jam as much as you can. Uh, commit, commit. If, you're gonna, if you want to get good and you want to compete and you want to you make a statement, you're going to have to spend some time. Spend some time watching videos or spend some time with people and play. I mean, we would play eight hours a day. You guys still do that? How often do you play? Well, not I eight mean, hours a day. <laughs> so you got to remember, I've been playing for as long as you. So I'm not doing eight hours a day anymore. <laughs> I play three or four times a week and I, I still think I'm the best player in the world right now. <laughs> there you go, Randy. Awesome. And you are. You yeah, are. Right. In your mind, you are. <laughs> in your mind. That's a good one. Yeah, good. In my mind, I'm the greatest player right now and ever. We should all think like that. We should all think like that. I, Like I said, if you're a new jammer coming up, get with people that you like and get to, get with people that are the best in the world and, and play with them. You know, that's how you're going to get better. If you play with the best, you're going to you're going to be the best. And that's really what we did. Get some influences. Like I said, if you can if you could flow and move around the field, different throws and different catches, you know, do an upside down. Everyone do some turnovers Do be consecutive. Well, it sounds like you're it sounds like you're saying continue to build the fundamentals. Just like don't just get stuck in go. one lane. Just kind of keep growing your game and growing your base. Right. Exactly. That's well put, Randy. Well put. The fundamentals. Yes, I really do believe that that is great advice about fundamentals and laying down the foundation of your game. It's so important to have all of the fundamentals so that you can kind of just be in the flow and be in the moment. And you can't really do that unless you have all those pieces in place. More of the fundamentals and more of that foundation that you have in place allows you to be fluent and not think and let you get to those places of greatness. And uh, I think that's really great advice. Commitment, foundation, fundamentals, so that you can get to that place of flow. I have a couple of thoughts about that. My first thought is fundamentals. I don't know that there ever really is an end point when you can say, I've got the fundamentals and I'm moving on to the next level. I think that something there is something about this sport that lends itself to continuous learning where there is no such thing as you've got the base you really just have to continue to continue to continue to learn that commitment going back to what he said that commitment to continually learn is really important i think sort of like music right you you can constantly 
learn new variations of notes. And so it's just such an endless thing. But there is a base fundamental package that you have to get in place so that you can kind of explore the new fundamentals that yeah. come along after learning the first fundamentals, I yeah. guess. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess there's different approaches that people can take. Some people approach the game as, I want to learn everything. And so they take this very slow road where they do both spins, both hands, flat, angled, and you know, creep their way up. And eventually when they get all of those skills mastered, they have the total package. There are other people who approach it from uh, how can I get to the to a place where I look like I'm the best player with the least amount of skills. And I think they will pick one spin, one hand, one rotation direction with their body, and two or three catches, and one good Z throw. And they can fill out their game so much that they probably would do very well in competition, especially in indoors when things are very predictable. Uh, and in some ways, I kind of prefer that because you can go from zero to having a really good time in the jam a lot quicker that way. But when you put those two people together, it becomes pretty clear which path they took pretty fast, especially in the gym. Yeah, that's interesting that you prefer that path because I think that that's a limiting path. And I would much rather try to keep that learning and knowledge growing than just try to get enough to where I can be competitive and be viewed as you know the best player. So yeah, well, it's yeah. So what I would say is take that fast path. And then when you feel like you've gotten to a solid, stable place, go back and work on the next fundamental and try to create multiple paths up to the top over and over again until you've filled out your entire game. And that way you can have early success and still end up being a completely fleshed out player. I see a lot of players take that initial path, but then they don't keep growing. Yeah. So that's one of the things where they like they get comfortable, they've had success, and so they feel like, oh, I don't need to keep learning. And I feel like they're missing out. I don't think it's a bad thing to do that. I just think they're missing out on the, the buffet that awaits them uh, if they continue to expand their horizons. Yep. No, and I totally agree with you. I think, for me anyways, the most fun that I have is when I'm learning something new. And so... The fact that that's what this sport is all about is learning new things and that it's so deep. Uh, that's what keeps me interested. And I, I agree that people are missing out on something if they reach the top really fast and then stop learning. But, yeah. Yeah. Again, you know, amazing that we've done a hundred episodes and our next episode that's coming up, we're actually going to do a recap of the world urban games, which was in my opinion, just a spectacular success and an eye opener to what can be, but we're going to have on Skippy Jammer. We're going to have on Lori Daniels. We're also going to have on the winners, Emma Kale and Daniel O'Neill. And of course, Jake, you were there commentating and bravo my friend on your work as a commentator and to Bethany as well. So I look forward to sharing that with everybody uh, on our next release. Yeah, definitely. I'm very excited to share my experience, but also to hear the experience of the other participants, both staff and competitors and see, you know, I had a great time. I wonder if they had as much of a great time. And uh, you're right. Just to see the potential that our sport can reach the production value that they had on their broadcast and their live stream was just amazing. And uh, I'll also say I had a really good time commentating, but I would not have been uh, with, I would not have been as comfortable with it 
as I was if I hadn't been doing this podcast with you and if we hadn't been commentating on events in the past. So if nothing else, all of this has led up to a great World Urban Games. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So the shooting the Frisbees has been the farm system for you to make it into the pro level. I love it. <laughs> uh, so with that, we just want to say thank you very much to all of our supporters, to the the patrons. You guys are great because you keep the recurring revenue going so that we can keep producing the live streams and keep these podcasts going. And uh, all the donors, you guys have been very helpful keeping all the equipment up to date and keeping everything rolling. And then to everyone on the wall of gurus, uh, we really appreciate your support. And we love those photos that you're sending in too. And we love seeing the t-shirts out there on everybody. They keep showing up at all the tournaments and all the live streams. Everyone's got the t-shirt. So that's actually really exciting. <laughs> so true. And again, a hundred episodes. Wow. And on that note, Jake, I'll talk to you next time. I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. To contact us or for more info, check us out at frisbeeguru.com. Home to Haynesville, Shooting the Frisbees, and live streaming freestyle frisbee.